Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In 2015, Half Past Two released the delightful ska-punk track Heather. Not only is the song fantastic, but it also tells an oddly emotional tale of the band's lead singer, Tara Hahn, and her relationship to her aunt, Heather McNeil. Heather, only four years older than Tara, was deep into 90s ska. In 1998, she lent Tara, who was in the seventh grade, her CDs and started taking her to ska shows. Heather is the reason that Tara became a hardcore ska fan. And in essence, it's why Half Past Two formed in 2004. The song goes, people ask me how I got this way. It was you, you, you. Our guests today are Tara and Heather, who tell their sides of the story depicted in the song. It's a very specific story, but a relatable one, as most ska fans have that person in their life that forever transformed them into a ska fanatic. You know who the person is that got me into ska, right, Aaron? Uh, do tell. <laughs> it's you. You're the person who got me Aww. into ska. But I think it's funny that the person that probably got both of us into ska is Mike Park. For sure, yeah. It was really interesting to hear this song, Heather, for the first time that Half Past Two did, because I feel like that's an untapped creative idea, like basically serenading the person that you know got you into a specific type of music, a type of music that you end up, you know, playing for years. Yeah. I mean, in, in my book, I talk about her skank and pickle show and how that was sort of a, that was a moment that transformed me into a ska fan. And a lot of people have commented to me that they had a show and stuff as well, but there's also a lot of people that have the, just the person, the person that takes them to the show or the person that gives them the CD. And that ends up being a memory that burned in their head, just like that skank and pickle show was for me. I have to give a shout out to Jay Solis too, because Jay Solis is the person who 
got me into both Operation Ivy and Fugazi. You knew Jay, right? I know Jay, and I'm good friends with his brother, Eric. Shout out to the Solus brothers. Half Past Two, about six years ago, wrote a song called Heather. It's a minute and 47-ish seconds long. What can you tell me about writing this song? At the time, we had, like, the band had was sort of in a weird place. We had, like, taken a, like, hiatus, like, just for a few years and, like, sort of come back together. And then, I don't know, we were in the process of writing new music. And um, somebody that used to come to a lot of our shows, um, he had asked me, like, why do you do this? Like, what, what got you into like ska music, I think that's like a common question that people ask um, if you're like, listen to ska music and stuff. They're like, how did you, how did you discover ska music or something, you know? Um, And that's how I wrote the song. I was just like, I was, I remember I worked in the computer lab at Long Beach City College. And so I just was sitting at the computer and thinking about it. And like, it was Heather, like my aunt, Heather's my aunt. You're only a few years older than me, Heather, like not that, that much older than me. And so I just remember the very first shows I ever went to, like my parents were like cool with it, you know, if I went with Heather and she was cool. She was cool with me tagging along because, you know, when you're like 13 or 14, it's an it's a pretty awkward time, I think, for like anybody. So just to like be included was like so cool and um yeah, I guess that's sort of like the origin of the song. And I showed it to um, my bandmate, Max, who like writes with me because I'm not really good at the music part, but he saw it and was like, oh, I have to do this, you know, because there's like, there's just so much meaning behind it. And it's true. Like people tell me all the time, like, I like that song because, you know, I have somebody that reminds me of Heather in my life that like got me into going to not even maybe ska music like just going to shows and you know being a part of that like live music sort of thing the original version of the song as i understand it is the version with acoustic guitar and vocals correct yeah that's correct yeah okay so that was the initial way and then have you recorded it twice more as a band or just two different mixes no, we did the, what happened, I think it, that was kind of confusing is we, we did it acoustic just to put it out because it was fun and we liked it. And then we decided to put it on our EP. Um, and so when we did that, we're like, oh, we'll do it full band. And it's a nice little short one. And um, it just gets the point across. So we, we put that on there. And then during um, the pandemic, I was super bored. Um, and I was like, I'm going to make music videos for old songs. And I had always had this idea. I had a few ideas of what I wanted to do, um, for the, for the song for Heather. And I just never got around to it. So this, when we put out the video this last year, it was just one of those ideas where we just, I just made like a big binder. Like I was in high school or something again. And like, put all the lyrics in it and made it a lyric video, but that's probably why you think there's two versions, but, or three versions, but there's only the two. When you were putting together that binder, how was it? Like, were you using actual photos from that era of going to shows or how, how did you go about putting that together? 
It was like a little bit of a mix. I I found this box when I was moving this last year of it was it was like a box of magazine clippings because I used to do that, you know, decorate my binders and stuff with like pictures of my friends and, you know, yeah, like magazine clippings and stuff like that. My walls had them. That was, you know, like my wallpaper growing up and I just had all this like sort of original stuff. I was like cracking up like all these pictures of like Leonardo DiCaprio and like that I saved. Like, why? Why did I do that? Um, and um, yeah, and, like inspirational words and stuff that I clipped out. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to use this, you know, but then there wasn't enough. So I had to sort of sprinkle in like like stuff from friends bands. Now I wanted people to watch it and be like, oh, my gosh, that was my like, like that was a letter I wrote to Tara, like, you know, a few years ago. And like, that's my handwriting, you know, or there's like a ticket to a show I went to because there was a lot of just stuff in there that I threw in. But I was trying to um, reminisce and like, think back to that time um, when I did it. But yeah, I did have a lot of like original <laughs> sort of elements, which was really funny. <laughs> I mean, that video for me, it was what really won me over to enjoying half past two because and you've lamented this before but you you guys have that oc ska sound the very shiny crisp clean happy we're like the squeaky clean yeah kind of um ska band i feel like in the scene but like we have fun we're cool yeah and, um but yeah i get what you're saying <laughs> i get what you're saying the content of the song is deeper to me at least than the surface level of happy ska punk. I mean, it's it's reminiscing for a specific time period. It's speaking to, you know, someone who was instrumental to creating who you are now. That's a far cry from, you know, what I feel like the whole Orange County ska scene gets labeled as as being sort of surface level. And it was it was really cool to see something that dug deeper than that. I wanted people to know, too, that, I mean, like you said, we kind of have this, like, surface level, like, fun poppy, and we sing about, like, sort of silliness, just like general Orange County ska music, I guess. But um, I just wanted people to know that we we came up in the same place. Like, we, we are still going to shows, and we are seeing people that came, like, through town, not just, like, people that were here um you know making our kind of ska music and I, I when we wrote it we were laughing we're like oh there's a lot of name dropping and stuff in here like orange county you know bands and stuff but that's what we didn't I was 13 I was 14 like and then into high school like I wasn't allowed to go anywhere I was this is where I lived you know this is like what we were seeing and the bands we were seeing and the bands we liked you know the name dropping though is is done in a way that's very very inside. I feel like using specific names and using like the like the Damn Bandits CD, especially since RX Bandits have moved moved on from that sound. Yeah, like specifically labeling that CD and calling that. I mean, that really pulls it to a, a really special place. I feel like because it it shows where you were and where you are and where you're going. Heather, yes. Do you remember the first show that you took Tara to? Oh my goodness. I think it was a chain reaction. I don't quite remember who was playing. It was RX Bandits because um, 
I can't remember who else played though. We saw Jeffrey's fan club together too, right? Yeah, that might have been even the same show. I don't remember like who else played that first show, but yeah, it was a chain. It was just, I just remember our expandits played because that's like who we went to see. <laughs> Heather, do you remember who got you into ska music? It really was just a group of friends that I met and they were all in a band and um I didn't really have a huge group of friends from high school. I was homeschooled. So I kind of fell in line with these kids that played in Anaheim and played parties in Anaheim. And so I kind of fell in with them and got hooked on the whole scene. Do you remember the name of their band? Oh, what was their band? I don't remember the name of their band. It was two brothers. I know it was two brothers, bass and guitar and singer. And then they had another guy that was a drummer. But yeah, they played all over Anaheim. What were the bands that you specifically gravitated towards when you first started listening to this type of music? Well, I think I've seen Mighty Mighty Boston's like seven times. I went to the Palace. The Palace was kind of my place. I would go up there all the time. How do you remember those shows Those shows being? Because from what I remember of that era and Mighty Mighty Boston's, I remember the, those crowds being pretty rough. Oh, no, not what I experienced at all. Um, We were pretty sheltered growing up, um, but going to the palace and going to those shows, you know, and just wearing the clothes and showing up in, I had a 1964 and a half Mustang, and I'd show up with my black bra, my white pink top. And we just kind of did what everybody did back then. You know what I mean? I mean, she had the look like totally, like I said, like in the song, it was just like, it was so cool. Cause when, you know, when everybody's listening to like nine, late nineties, no doubt. And they're like seeing Gwen Stefani and she's like on top of her game. And like, I'm walking around with my aunt that looks just like her. I'm like, this is so cool. This is like, <laughs> I am like, and I was, like I said, I was like younger and I'm like, this is, I like this, you know, I feel included here. This is awesome. So thanks, Heather. I don't ever say that to you. Of course. Um, I was also big into like the, the punk side of it, you know, the fake face, the social distortion, that side of it, just because of being from Orange County. That was just so ingrained in us almost, you know? It was RX Bandits, not Pharmaceutical Bandits. No, it was Pharmaceutical Bandits. It Kevin, their trombone player, used to live next door to me, um, or like my mom's house or whatever in Garden Grove, and so that that's also like how you know I would sort of well I went to Los Alamitos High School over down here, and that's where a lot of them went to. So like their younger brothers were like a year older than me, and like my best friends brother was best friends with them you know what I mean and we would like you know people would scribble their name on like the lockers at school because they went there we were like oh they're so cool they're like doing it you know and um that's how we felt you know being all like little weird teenagers and um yeah I because they live next door too I always thought that was funny I'm like they have a band with horns because they're like you know they're jumping around and stuff and that's how I got my first Arx um, Bandits, like, T-shirt and stuff, because they were just, like, I was a kid, so they would give me 
like whatever <laughs> was around and stuff. So I think that's why we went to that first show was because we kind of like knew the guys, you know, and, you know, we, we wanted to like see what it was, what was going on. They were always talking about their shows and, and I was finally old enough. Like my parents let me go with Heather. So it was really tight. It wasn't like seeing some big rock star band on MTV. It was like seeing a band that, I mean, I'm sure they were a little bit mystical or mystifying or something, but it was, there was a familiarity to them as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was just like, we still, I still consider them to be pretty popular just because I knew that they played a lot and they, I don't know, like I said, they had, they were like the cooler older guys it, to me because I lived in this area in Orange County called Rossmore and I knew like where, you know, a couple of them lived because I was just like a fan, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, they live like in my area you know but like when you're young like that stuff and especially at that time I mean maybe people don't get that way anymore I don't know if people get like super fanatical about things like that but I always thought that was so cool like oh my gosh the trombone player from Arx band it's like lives next to me right now like that's so cool and I think that made it even more cool to go to their shows to just even if somebody was just there as a fan, I could say like, that's my neighbor or like he went to my high school or, you know, that's what was really fun. And Do you have any specific memories of that show that have been like seared into your brain? It's kind of embarrassing to say this memory because it has nothing to do with the music. And Heather, you're going to like laugh that I remember this, but it literally, it probably changed my whole life. I don't know. But Heather tried to like clown me in front of like some guys just because like I was a kid and she, she was like, oh, you have something on your face. She was doing one of those things. And I, she, I like leaned in and she like bumped me on the face with her hand and everyone was like, ah, and I was like, oh, your hands smell bad. And she put her hand to her face to smell it. And I pushed it back in her face. And I was like, yes, I was like, that was my like 12 year old 13 year old like crowd you just I was like I got my older sister like back you know because I didn't have like an older sister anything growing or older brother anything growing up I always like wanted one so you know it was just fun because that's what it felt like it felt like a, like goofing off with an older sister or something and like I that's what I remember from that show like so well I know that's so weird <laughs> no totally awesome I think I met my first boyfriend at that show too oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's a very eventful show what, what did he look like what was he what was his outfit oh he was super tall um and he had old school vans <laughs> <laughs> isn't everybody at that time <laughs> yeah the old school van he had gray dickies on and some sort of some sort of sort of band t-shirt I think but he sounds hot he <laughs> he <laughs> to Gwen Stefani's uncle in Anaheim yeah and so we would have parties all the time and all his other neighbors would call the cops but her uncle would come next door and be like, don't worry about it, dude. Like, it's totally fine. Like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I'll calm them down. Cause he was so awesome. Cause he, <laughs> he, knew, he knew the gig, right? 
Nice. Yeah. So Heather, what got you to want to share ska music or shows or whatever with Tara? I'm kind of curious about that story. I just adored Tara from day one. I mean, she was just so cool and just was just this little adult, you know. And I loved taking her with me places, just running errands, whatever. And the music I was listening to, she liked. And that to me was just extra cool, you know, that she got into the music that I was getting into. And we could cruise around in my car and love music together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the music that I was listening to at the time was the ska, was the punk. That's exactly what I was doing. And she embraced it and she totally loved it. And so I figured, why not? So in the song, it says, you know, like, you know, she, you gave me these CDs and stuff. So was there a period of time where you were introducing her to the music first? And then eventually you were like, you know what? I should take her to a show. Yeah. When we'd be in my car, um, I'd, you know, be putting CDs in because that was the time when we had CDs. And I, I remember you, Tara, maybe you do or don't remember this, like pouring through the CD book, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because that's what they came with, you know, the lyrics or pictures or whatever. And I just remember her going through them just like she couldn't get enough. And to me, that was awesome. You know, she was enjoying what I was enjoying. Um, I had no idea it would make such an impact, but. (laughs) Did you have to talk to her parents about bringing her to that first show? No. Yeah, like my mom and my stepdaughter were just like, they, they were cool. I, like at my dad's house, I wasn't really allowed to do a lot, but at my mom's house, I could like, I, I could do things. So, <laughs> and it was Heather, you know, so. So at the end of the show, I, I mean, I remember this from when I was a teenager, you would usually not go straight home, go hang out somewhere. Did Were you included in that, Tara, or did you just get taken back home? No, we would like cruise to a diner or something like, you know, there's. There's always some, I, I, after chain reaction shows, a lot of people just like hop over to Denny's or something because it's right there. Or, you know, if if we could go for a drive, you know, like if I was out allowed to stay out late, like I guess my choices would be like Shore House. Oh, it's not even there anymore. Or like Harbor House. That's like all the way down by the beach. So yeah, Harbor House for sure. Way better than Shore House. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I wasn't really allowed to do much so when I was at my mom's she would sort of let me do a little bit more just to let me you know um to be like the cool mom or whatever um but like I don't know it it was like a safe space I never felt like you know it was weird to be out afterward or anything like that when I was you know in middle school Heather do you have any recollection of going to the Denny's near Chain Reaction? I do. I remember going to the Denny's. Um, I'm, I don't specifically remember when it was with Tara, but yeah, I mean, we were underage. There was only so much we could do, you know, and so after Chain Reaction, we would just flood the Denny's. And I remember we would be like over different booths. Like there were so many of us, you know, so many young kids that just, loved the vibe and loved the music and just 
wanted to stay together even after the band was done playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have played shows at Chain Reaction and eaten at that same Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> and the feeling of, of being in your sweaty show clothes in when one of those booths with the pleather seats and it's, scraping it's through lighting. your wallet and having like $7 to your name <laughs> and trying to figure out what you can order and like trying to calculate the tax and like forget about a tip, like as much a as a plate of fries and a pitcher of water, <laughs> please. <laughs> exactly. That was pretty much the go to order, I feel like. Yep. It's the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tara, when um, Heather would play CDs in her car, did you specifically gravitate towards the ska stuff or did you kind of like all of it? Well, um, and I still am like this. I really like to, I pick a lot of music by looking at, like, like, like Heather was saying, by like looking at the CDs, like the art and the jackets and stuff. And um, I just remember, I specifically remember going into Heather's room and she was putting on makeup. Um, she was sitting on the floor and she had like this rack that she had some stuff on and there was like a stack of CDs. And I just remember sort of like picking them up. You know, that sound it makes like when two CDs cases, like I'm having this like huge stack of CDs and was just sort of like looking through it and no doubt like Tragic Kingdom was in there. So, and I, it was a familiar name and, you know, Gwen was on the cover. I was like, oh, can I take this? I remember her saying, if you're going to take that, take the other one, which was like, just no doubt. And, um, and, and also um, say Ferris was in there. Uh, it means everything, which is like my favorite. I know it's so embarrassing to say, but it's like my very favorite. I've, I've bought, it means everything more than like any other CD in my entire life. But um, how many times I bought it four times. Um, I, <laughs> I feel bad. And, like, I feel it's like even in Orange County, it's like embarrassing to admit that. But I um, yeah, I bought it. I bought it quite a few times, I mean, mostly because I would like give it away or I would play it out too many times or I would scratch. You know what a CD sucks like when you scratch it. Oh, God, this is so disappointing. So, um, yeah, I, I just distinctly remember walking out of her room that day. And maybe that's why I, I put those things specifically in the song Heather. It was because I just have this super vivid memory of that 
day of like going in there and leaving with like five CDs and those three were on the top. And um, yeah, I, because they are female vocalists, I guess, I, I did sort of gravitate toward those CDs, you know, because like Heather was saying, she didn't just give me Scott music, but um, yeah, I, so, I sort of like gravitated toward that and it sort of felt safe to like my dad couldn't I told you my dad was a little more strict he couldn't like come in and be like you know social distortion what are you listening to or whatever oh, you know like yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah like it's weird to say it's like it's safe but like I don't know I we still make that kind of music because like I'm sorry I like the hippos like I like safe Ferris and I like real big fish like I know Orange County Scott gets such a bad rap for like quote-unquote ruining everything but some of us like grew up here and we like it like we liked it I don't know um <laughs> it's just, it feels so like dirty to say but yeah <laughs> no there's like, there's no reason to apologize for things that you like <laughs> I feel bad I'm like oh. people are listening to your podcast and they're like oh my gosh I can't believe she's admitting this though how big were these shows, like, uh, in terms of amount of people? There was not that many people there when we would go. I mean... Oh, really? I mean, we... I would never stay, like, inside the whole time for, like, the the headlining bands. And I don't think at the time, like, the pharmaceutical bandits were, like... I just don't remember the room being full at all. I remember standing on the side, like, you know, where the... Um, where they did snacks and water and stuff like that and it was totally you know I could totally walk around over there and it was like no big deal yeah and maybe on the other side it was like you know full and maybe a little difficult to get to like the bathroom but yeah it wasn't like it was bad I think as some shows I go to now Aaron have you have you never been to Chain Reaction no I haven't. okay so it's about Tara would you say it's about a, a 400 capacity room maybe smaller yeah I think it might be a little smaller um I can't remember the capacity yeah it might be a little smaller. and then the room the the space is sectioned off so that the merch and kind of the bar area which isn't I think it I mean the times that I went there I don't think they served alcohol but there was like a, a snack bar area on one side and then there was a partition and you had to go around that to get to the the floor in front of the stage right and and then a lot of the times that I played there, we had to just load through the crowd to get on stage. And then eventually we figured out that there was a hallway that ran up the side. <laughs> a very small one. And then there was a weird like outside smoking area that was like a, just like a alleyway between, between the buildings that was like walled on, that's walled off. It's still there. It's covered in gum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. And so I remember at, at one point you could you could hang out out front when you know when the bands were playing. And then it, and then I remember they kind of instituted a no ins, no outs policy and you had to hang out out in the smoking area. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And it like you said, it's like a little hall. That was where a lot of the socializing went on, I felt like in that dirty 
little alleyway. Yes. And it was, it was pretty dirty, like you said, because, you know, people would go into like the far corner and just like pee, like, and other people are out there just like smoking <laughs> cigarettes, just like, you know, willy nilly throwing them everywhere. There's gum stuck to like every wall, bench, like, you know, but that if you wanted to be outside if you wanted to take a break from the sweaty inside of chain reaction where there's like you know no windows and like one door then you gotta go out into the sweaty alley heather did did you ever go into the furniture store next door no did you did you know that it's a it was a front for gambling are you (laughs) and they and they literally just busted them they just busted the big furniture store that's like on the way. Like if you keep walking out of Chain Reaction, yeah, yeah. you pass the furniture store. Yeah, like by where you park. It was like a big front. It was just busted too, right, Adam? Like just busted, like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> I went in there once before a show, and and uh, they chased me out, and they did not did not want me in there looking at their merchandise. <laughs> like you're pretty tall. Um, I mean, I'm a sketchy looking, looking dude. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not say that. Those are not my words. Are, I said tall. Oh, those will be my said, words. That's fine. <laughs> so Tara, there's lyrics in the song Heather that say, now you're gone. I don't know where. I hope this reaches you out in the air. And um, I was hoping maybe you could break that, break that down for us a little bit. You know, funny that you want to break this down because that. The only part I didn't write is because um, I don't know. The guys were like, it was missing something, and so that's what they that's what they came up with. But I mean, at the same time, it's true. I mean, we don't hang out anymore, and uh, you know, life just gets busy, and we're grown up now. You know, um, so I guess it like in a way it was sort of true that we just sort of like lost touch and and. And I, you know, was hoping maybe to show her that she did make sort of an impact on me in that way. Because I don't think we, like, tell people stuff like that. It's not, you know, time is a lot. So much time had passed. Like, what am I going to say? Like, hey, I play, I've played ska music for, like, a good chunk of my life because you sort of introduced me and like started this little flame of like you know wanting to participate in in being in a scene being in a band and and ska music heather what what did you think the first time you heard the song it made me happy it made me really really happy and the part those lyrics of you know now you're gone i don't know where it's funny because that's exactly how I felt. I mean, I've, I've moved around a lot. I went to Florida, I went to Colorado, I went to Arizona, I moved around a lot. And when I heard the song for the first time, it really hit home because it was kind of like, I don't know where I am either. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of out there floundering too, you know? So it just meant a lot to me that she remembered me. She remembered what we did together um, and that the music really took hold of her. That was awesome. Did you hear the acoustic version? Is that the first when you heard it first? No. I see. So you heard the the, the full band version. Yeah. Did you hear it when when uh, Tara put out the, the music video, the lyric video? Yes, I did. Wow. So did was the first time hearing it 
also watching the video? No. No, okay. No, she came to a show and I got to be like, Heather's here and like yeah. point into the crowd. Wow. That was really funny and fun. Cause that was Long Beach, right? That was at the House of Blues, I think. Anaheim. Um in Anaheim. Cause yeah. you were up on the balcony and I was like, Woo! So like a, a big show. Yeah, it was a big show. So okay. So see so how long had you had the song before that show? I mean, it had been a couple years that the song had been out. And so people knew it. Who were you playing with at that show? At that one specifically, I think that was, it might have been um, the return of, they called it the return of Starpool, but it wasn't like the return of Starpool. It was, it was just like one of their shows. So it was like, I think it was Starpool, Us, um, this band, they're a reggae band, but they're they're not a band anymore. Oh, what they were the very first band and I, I am kicking myself. I can only remember their singer's name and her name was Kelsa. And I cannot remember the name of the rest of the band. But um, them and oh, it must have just been another Orange County, like, ska band from our time. Like, maybe it was Hooray for Our Side or, or like, Stupid Flanders or something like that. You knew Heather was coming? Yes. Um, I had invited, you know, I invited her. And I wanted her to hear us play it, you know. Like, it's a shorty. Um, but people people know that song because people sort of attach to the the feeling and stuff so yeah I just wanted her to see what it was like to be in the room you know <laughs> like the whole the whole experience Heather were you aware of the song before that show or was this the show itself the reveal of that song no I had heard about the song before um but being in the room and watching it I mean it just brings up all those feels I mean it's awesome like had you seen Tara's band before yes I had seen her before in Huntington a few years ago when I still lived in Colorado at um was it Bellaterra yeah yeah you're right I think it was at the Bellaterra yeah because half past two is not above playing at the shopping center <laughs> y'all we sure do <laughs> But yeah, I remember you did come to that. It was awesome. Wait, what, what, was, what was the shopping center show like? I want to hear. We do them all the time. It's fun. Um, we just like play, you know, it's a shopping center. And in Cal Southern California, most of them are outdoors. So they had like a little area and by a water fountain. And people are just walking by and shopping and going like, this is so loud. <laughs> but um. No way. Yeah, because they put you in this place too. That what at the Bellaterra, they put you in this place where like your um the shops have like apartments above them, and they're in like a sort of semicircle. So you're just like blasting music at these people in a semicircle, like like the Coliseum or something, you know. And you're just like, but it, it just it seems so awful. But you know they wanted us there. I guess they they're like you guys do great and everyone loves you. I mean, I. Thought <laughs> <laughs> thank you it was it's fun we like to do it because it's during the day so like our families like usually the ones that show up because they're like we can't do this late stuff you know like <laughs> these late night shows so heather before you had heard the song or even heard about the song were you aware of the impact that you had on tara with us in terms of ska music and everything i had no idea um I just knew 
the memories that I had with her listening to music and having fun and and having a great time together, it never correlated in my mind that the type of music we were listening to would affect her that way. Or the type of shows I was taking her to would affect her so much. It was just hanging out with my niece and having a great time. And and the life that I was living at that time just kind of trickled down to her. And I think we kind of both experienced it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because, and, and Tara, you said this at the beginning, and it's like something about Ska has this story for most people where they remember when or when or where they heard it. And it's like a moment in their life where it kind of changes them and it changes them into a ska fan. And it's like important. Like, I don't know that it's such a consistent thing with other genres for people where it's like with ska, like almost every single fan has a story of their discovering the music. Yeah, like somebody, I I feel the same way because I do get a lot of people that will say to me about that, about Heather's specifically, you know, I I had, you know, a neighbor, an uncle, a, um, you know, my dad or like someone that just sort of like sat them down and like can't, you know, introduced them to music or took them like, you know, Heather's took me to shows. Like, I think that's so important. And even before we play that song, a lot of times I always give like a disclaimer that I always say, you know, if you, if you're able to, you know, take your kid brother, your kid sister, you know, your cousin or something, because you just never know, like there are worse things to, you know, to, fall in love with I think um than ska music yeah. and and being a part of of sort of like what it is like I just at the time too at that time you know 95 through like 2000 even it just had like a different it had a feeling in our area because people really liked it. It was popular. It was in like magazines. It was on TV and like it's where we lived. So we were just like you know, when you're that young, you're just like, wow, that's cool. And it feels cool. Now it seems so embarrassing to be from Orange County. But like, um, at the time, it was just, it felt like that's what we were about. We were about, ska, like, you know, that kind of ska music. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. And I, I, I think that's what we try and keep alive. Like we try and keep going, you know, and I, I think that pretty much shows up in our music now. Yeah, what was that like? You know, I if you ever listen to anyone from Seattle talk about living in Seattle during the grunge era, they always feel like, Oh, they got it all wrong. You know, that's not what it was like or whatever. Did, do you, did you guys feel like uh, orange County ska scene in the, in the mid nineties represented what it was like, or did it feel like a completely different story? I think it was represented perfectly. I mean, I remember cruising around with my friends, you know, we're not 21, we're barely 18, if even that. We're blasting this music. We ha- we all have Disneyland passes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go to Disneyland and rock around and listen to our ska music and listen to our punk music and nobody can tell us any different. Well, like, like Tara grew up very strict. Well, not very strict. I'm not, don't mean to put words in your mouth. 
but I, yeah. I grew up very strict as well. And ska was something that we could listen to without our parents breathing down our necks. You know, it wasn't rap. It wasn't grunge. It wasn't heavy metal. It was something that we could totally get into with our friends and go to these shows and dress a certain way. And it was okay. And it was accepted. And it, it just made for a great, a great number of years when I was a teenager. When you were going to Disneyland, did you ever see No Doubt playing there? No, I never did. I did. Oh, no. <laughs> At Disneyland? Yeah. I went to Disneyland for grad night in 1995. And there, there were all these cover bands playing throughout <laughs> Disneyland. And I think Tragic Kingdom maybe... What year did Tragic Kingdom 95. come 95. Yes, 95, yeah. 95. Okay, so like it had just come out. And so there was bands playing like, you know, Nirvana covers and, and whatever, Soundgarden. And then I remember walking through this one area and up on this gazebo, there was a what I thought was a No Doubt cover band. And as I got closer, I realized, no, that's no doubt. <laughs> Grad night. Pe- people realized who they were and it like got real crazy and they had to like be like, okay, thanks, bye. And like get off the stage. <laughs> but I remember thinking that was, that was really cool. That is cool. And really random almost. I mean, if that, just like you guys were saying, like if I think back to how I felt that like around that time, I that would be unbelievable. At Disneyland? Oh my gosh, Adams. That's crazy. Yeah, it was surreal. Absolutely surreal. We'll be right back after this. Heather, do you remember when when you maybe stopped listening to Ska? Hmm. Well, I got into a relationship when I was around all around. I was 19 and it was a pretty serious relationship. And he was in a band. I don't know if you've heard of Alien Ant Farm. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was in a band at the time um, and was helping them out getting ready to go on tour and everything. And I just, I started listening to more kind of mainstream rock at that time. And I just kind of got wrapped up with that. And it just kind of fell to the wayside a little bit, but then, you know, I'll get a little taste of it and I'll start listening to it again, like nonstop. And then I'll fall back on it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of comes in waves, but I still listen to it. And then Tara, you had a period of time where you were not playing ska. Were were you still listening to ska at that time? When I was like a musician and not playing ska. I mean, yeah. No, because I I sort of like broke up with Sky. I felt like I was like, bye. I felt like I I think a lot of people do this. And I did this to like with Ska again, sort of in high school, where like I didn't like claim it. I did not like it. I just didn't claim it. You know, I was just um and when I was making other kinds of music, I didn't want to tell everybody, like, oh yeah, I just left my ska band that I was in for like so many years to come here and make music I you know I you know I just wanted to not have a lot to do with it because I felt so like burnt out by being in a ska band specifically 
Because Kobe, I, I mean, and our band still is like this. We have a lot of people. Like, we have nine people now. And I think back then we still had the same, like, eight or nine people. It's a lot of, like, you know, personalities and stuff to manage. And we were really young. So it was just exhausting, you know, trying to keep up with everybody's personalities and, like, what was going on with them. And, yeah, so... I didn't really listen to it a lot, but I only sort of took a hiatus from being in Half Past Two for like about two years. So I didn't really feel like I missed anything because to be honest at that time, like even when we first started being really serious as a band, which was 2006, um, I mean, nothing was really going on down here. Like the same old people were doing the same old thing, but it wasn't happening like people didn't weren't excited about ska and they weren't wanting to you know they they weren't really listening and there weren't like new bands forming and stuff around down here like I said I didn't feel like I really missed anything those two years when I came back I felt like we were the ones that came back you know because nothing was really happening we're like it's us we're back you know we're better than ever and then, yeah, like slowly, steadily, we started seeing a little bit more um, like it sort of pick up. And then this last year, oh, my gosh, like there are just so many new bands all over the place. It's freaking it's amazing. I mean, not even new bands. I just I mean, I feel like the world sort of opened up where like I was only focused on like Southern California, like, you know, San Francisco and down was just sort of like what I I really focused on and wanted to like know and now I'm just the world is the ska world is huge it's like I don't know all over the world everyone's contacting each other and sharing their music and it's constant so it's cool I like it much better than sort of back then yeah I agree what got you back into ska or back into ska being like a priority I guess you could say Los Angeles and like Hollywood and all the other kind of music I was trying to make was extremely limiting and like I'm sorry it was boring I was not having fun and um the like the scene up there just playing live was completely different and not fun like just not fun and that's not me like if anybody knows me like fun should be my middle name because that's what I want all the time I just never want to stop having fun and like, it was, it was just a creepy feeling. I didn't like it at all. So I sort of ran back to ska, to ska music. I was like, I don't like it up here. I don't like what's going on, you know? Cause I did, I, I like parted with Orange County. Like I moved to Hollywood. I moved to, um, I was, yeah, I was living in Hollywood proper. Well, at first I lived in Echo Park and then I lived in Hollywood and I was just, I was in a couple bands and it was, like I said, I, I really was trying to have a good time, but there was no fun to be had. Like, you're just trying to meet people so that they, you know, take you seriously or, you know, it, it was just exhausting in a different way. And I, I sort of like reflected back on my time in half past two in the beginning, like playing in my ska band and thinking, you know, you really don't know what you got till it's gone. I was like, I want to go back. Like I missed that. And, um, I, yeah, I just missed everything about it. Um, like the people and 
just how people uh, I don't know would just behave in with each other like they would I don't I don't know how to explain it in in Los Angeles when I would go to shows it was always very it was more clicky than I ever thought you know ska music was if I ever thought like it was once I moved to LA it just changed my mind I was like no this is this is the epitome of loneliness like you walk into a bar and literally everyone turns away from you like they don't look at you it's just, it was weird um but I played in some like strange bands I've like played in this um concept band that like so like it, the music would change all the time and the one that I worked on a lot was called Demigods and Herophants and it was like the stage show had like a we dressed as aliens and like there was all this like weird stuff that would go on we played at the Vi we had this show at the viper room and you know how like small the stage is upstairs and there was like five of us doing this really weird like stage show I don't know it was kind of fun but at the same time so strange and then I was in this other band sort of that I don't know. They just made sort of like kind of boring folk music and it was pretty. It was really pretty. <laughs> it was really pretty music. I, that's as much as I'll say, but it just wasn't for me. I I'm too hyper for that. I want to like see, you know, somebody like randomly smash a trombone on stage or like, you know, jump into the crowd, even if there's only like five people out there and like, I don't know. It was just a different flavor. I mean, definitely from from just your description of of what those shows in LA felt like. I mean, that ska gets labeled as being like, you know, dork music or whatever so much. <laughs> but the shows you just described sound punishingly dorky. They are. They were. They're so dorky and um you know, I was I would go with groups of people just like I did at ska shows and it was, you know, it just, everyone was so cool, if that makes sense. It was just like this place where nobody was going to talk to you if for some reason somebody else didn't say like, oh, they know this person or something, you know. And um, I know that sounds like so fake, but God, it it was so real. Like when I got there, I just couldn't believe it. And <laughs> And I was like, I was a starving artist, just like anybody would, could describe like moving to LA. Like I couldn't like eat, but I was meeting with like, you know, like tour managers, like executives for, you know, music labels and all this stuff. And I was just like, why am I so hungry? Like, I hate it here. This sucks. I just want to go back to Orange County. So I don't know. That's what I did. I sort of like never looked back. Do I miss it? A, maybe a little bit here and there like I miss LA but um I mean not really I'm having we're having such a good time in the song there's a line about how uh Heather told you that you went to the same school as Aaron Barrett yeah so that's all true yeah I mean as far as I remember that's how I learned it was that like Heather told me I don't like that when I was writing the song that's that's how I wrote it I was just trying to remember like where did I like learn all this like these little facts and stuff but maybe I got it wrong maybe Heather's gonna say like I didn't know he went to yeah what do you what do you remember do you remember telling her that I don't I don't remember <laughs> no 
<laughs> yeah. But he did go to my high school. Have you met Aaron Barrett? Me? Yeah. Actually, funny story. So there's a burger joint across the street from our high school that um, like everybody just, you know, it, it has like that flavor that like only that place sort of has. So um, people just go there, even if you don't like go to school there anymore. You're like, I want to go there. Um, so we ran my drummer at the time had run into Aaron at that burger joint because he really likes that place, too. And um he was like, hey, I have a demo of my band in my car. Can I give it to you? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he liked it. He he listened to it and he was like, I like this. And he um, produced our first EP, Closet Polar Bear. And wow. he produced our only album um, to date. <laughs> uh, it's about time. And yeah, he took us on like two like short little tours, like the furthest probably we've ever been like we went to like reno and like bakersfield you know no place like really i mean we played at like the catalyst and we played at petaluma on that tour they just they took us along so it was really cool and we still um see and run into them a lot because i mean it's orange county he's he's around he, he does come to stuff and it, it's embarrassing like when he shows up for us because we'll like play songs that he you know produced and like or maybe helped us you know write and stuff we're like oh we hope he still thinks it sounds good like you know 10 years later or whatever but no Aaron's great I they always say like don't meet your idols and stuff but we still get all like mushy when we when like we see Aaron or a lot of the people in our band because we wouldn't like we literally would not be a band probably still today if it wasn't for like that meeting him at um at volcano burger across from los amigos high school i mean we still record music with david irish which is uh, at pot of gold in orange which is where real big fish records all their stuff and actually um you know a couple of them have been helping us out with some of our new songs because um just with the way everything's being going right now um we don't get everybody in the studio or like some people aren't comfortable coming to the studio so people will come in and you know play for us on our music maybe we don't say it explicitly but but they're doing it those nice real big fish folks has he heard i don't know if this song was on the album but has he heard heather i yeah he definitely has and it was so funny because last year like right before everything sort of shut down we played um, our friend Jess, Jess's birthday and um, she does all of Real Big Fish's merch and stuff and um, he came and we definitely were going to play Heather and we were like oh like, this is weird because there's not that it was a small party and so we could see him like we could like see his face you know we're like oh like here we go you know and I don't know he's just, he's not really one of those people that's like hey love that song with me in it like my name in it or something he's just like hey what's up you know so <laughs> but like I said we're we're still like young at heart in that when we see him we we still get all like dumb we're like oh there he is Aaron Barrett like I used to see him in like 
stupid magazines like Teen Beat and like Bop Magazine, you know, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't just like he came up out of nowhere. Like he was pretty big to me um, at that time because that was like what they were pushing. I would see him in like movies and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I they were really like pushed in the in the teen beat sort of market, which is so strange. Yeah, they're not really like heartthrobby. Like, sorry to say, um, <laughs> but I mean, they were sort of in. It was like an endearing sort of like they were charming, I guess you know, and they were goofy, and some girls like that. That's fine. That's cool. Yes, we do. So is there, uh, what's anything on the horizon with Half Past Two? Um, we are working on our next album right now. Uh, like it, we've only ever released one other album and it was back all the way back in 2009. So we just felt like it was due and we really planned on putting it out last year, but just like everyone like plans, plans, haha, plans. And, um, so it sort of got pushed to this year, um, Cause we're recording and writing separately, which is not normal. Um, it takes a long time to send stuff around and get everyone's opinions, honest opinions and stuff. So uh, we've been releasing a lot of music at the beginning of this year, or even just in the last year, we've released a ton of music. Like, what are we thinking? You know, we're just trying to tire people of us, I think, <laughs> but we, yeah, we we're gonna we have about half of the album like totally finished recorded and we just need to finish the other half and it'll be fun. We, this we're the best we've ever been. Like the last two years, this is my like my fantasy, like mwah, chef's kiss, like half past two. I love everybody that's in the band. Not that I haven't loved everyone in the past, it's just everyone's gelling and our horn section I adore them they are so wonderful and they um they're getting they get along so well everyone does so I just hope that shows in the new stuff because I don't know I think it's like the it's going to be the best representation of us ever and we've been a band for 14 years Ugh. wow yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember something else I wanted to ask. Um how how is balancing parenthood and and a band for you? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> you know when um I I never like I never really have like an end date like for being in a band because I just don't know how to stop. So it was funny when I got pregnant everyone would come up to me and they'd be like, "Well, this is the end, like, this is the end of half past two. And I'd be like, why? Like, what, why? You know, I could keep doing this. Like, I need to do this. This is part of me. This is me. And you know what? There were times that I thought I would definitely give up being in a band. Um, not because like, you know, like my kids are my world, but at the same time, I'm not like saying everything must stop. And like, you know, I revolve around them totally I still like me I still desire strongly to like continue this project because I feel like it's bigger than me and um when I would start playing shows again like you know three four months after I had my baby 
I couldn't stay because like, I don't know if this is okay to say, I'd be like nurse, you know, nursing. I nursed my baby and I would like play and I would have to split because I have to go home and like feed or like, I just couldn't like, you know, I, I couldn't keep like my milk down or something weird like that. Like I, and it was weird. Cause I was, I felt like I was telling people like, you know, this is working out. This is great. And it wasn't necessarily all that great. And I did want to give up. I didn't, I wasn't loving it, but I was just like, this is temporary. Like, I know that if I, if I stop doing this, if I like walk away from this in a year or two, I'm going to put all my effort into like trying to either resurrect this or start a new project. Like, so what's the point in stopping just like, you know, the, the guys were really understanding, you know, um, with everything. And I think the other thing too, is in our band, um, our like fearless leader, Max, he, he's had like two cancer scares. And so everyone's just sort of like, we're just rolling with it. You know, we've, like I said, we've been a band for a really long time. We don't have any, like, I think our goals are really realistic and, um, you know, when being a parent and being in a band, it's just, there's a lot of us now in the band that are like parents. So it's, I think it's gotten a lot easier because there's like more of an understanding, like when things are actually important and urgent and when things, you know, are just like an opportunity that you're going to have to pass or something like that. It's fun though, because I feel like we see a lot more kids at our show because everyone's got kids or like, you know, our friends are growing up and they have kids and I don't know, it's fun. And the kid and my kids really like it. They, they enjoy like, not just the music, but like the atmosphere. Cause our band is like a family. So they know everybody, all nine people in my band, you know, they could talk to them on the phone, like an aunt or uncle or something like that. So I don't know. It's important. Um, I think to, to tell people that you can do both, you know, you can be a parent and you can be in a band or whatever, you know, like have a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do it really well, Adam, I have to say, you know, so. It's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> That's what I tell people too. Like it, there's, you know, there's no right way to do it. I'm just going with the flow. I don't want to stop making music. And, but if I had to like for my family, I could, you know, but so far it hasn't really gotten to that point. We'll be right back after this. The other song that Half-Fast 2 put out was um, Shine, which also was released as an acoustic song and then again, a full band version. And it it's a similar song, but but from the perspective of a parent. Yeah, you mean similar to... It's a poppy ska punk song, but with he- like heavier content in it. Like, like just like a... F- there's an underlying feeling of like, there's a line at the end of the song where you say something about uh, when I'm gone, you'll find the strength to carry on. Yeah. I mean, that's as a parent, like that, that hits super like deep. 
like I think I think the the moment that you become a parent, you finally understand your own mortality. Yeah, that is so true. Like I can't get on a roller coaster anymore without going. Like I could die on this thing. <laughs> like, well, who's gonna take care of my kids? I mean, I have a different circumstance. My daughter was born with spinal muscular atrophy. Uh, it's like a genetic um, neuromuscular, uh, like muscular dystrophy. Um, and there's like no cure for it and, and you know, all the sad stuff. I wrote that song because I was so sad. I was super sad. And, um, you know, it was sort of, I, it was just to sort of get it out, you know, and for myself and the guys, I, th- I can't remember if it was Max or David, but someone was going through like our little lyrics folder and they were like, oh my gosh, what is this? We need to write this. So Max and I wrote the acoustic version and I thought that was just going to be it. But we had dreams of like making it a full band version and making it a little more positive, Um, you know, just a little less sad because that was something that I found a little bit... um, not disappointing, but it caused me a lot of anxiety after the first release was just that when people would talk to me about it, um, because it did sort of affect a lot of people, when people would talk to me about it, they would tell me about how like sad it, be, it made them. And that's not my goal. You know, I, I, I'm glad your people are allowed to feel sad. I mean, that's, but it really, it really got to me like personally I was like I don't want this to be a sad song like I don't want Neely to hear it one day and be like this is a sad song you know um so when we redid it like full band we tried to make it just something that was more um like inspirational I guess is what we were going for and um, we did it for the Ska Against Racism um, compilation that, you know, Asian Man and Bad Time and Scott Punk Daily put out last year. And you were on it too, Adam. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, we were just like, we had this other song that we were working on for the compilation. And I, I felt so weird because I, in my band, I don't speak up. I don't because I feel like when I do, I get like, I get that stamp no matter what, like they kind of give you like the diva stamp. I know it's so bad to say that out loud, but they do like, it, it just happens. So I don't really say a lot, but I just remember like we were talking and going over this song and working on this other song. And I was just like, no, no, like we cannot do this song. This song does not belong on Scott Against Racism. We need something like that means something. And the guys are like, okay, then we're just going to do a full band version of shine. And I was like, Oh no. Like, because I had so much anxiety from the first release. I was like, no, no, no. Like people, we can't make people sad. We cannot make people sad. And they were like, we'll do it. We'll do it right. You know? And they did good by me. You know, Jack, Jack, our trombone player, he really, he sat down because we didn't have a lot of time when I said that. That's why I felt so bad. I was like, I'm sorry I'm putting my foot down so late in the game, but like, this is not working. I, this is not, I don't want to put it on that compilation. It's too important. And um, yeah, so he did it in like, I don't know, 12 hours. He just like hammered it out, all the parts. And we all sort of like, you know, let it wash over us and tweaked things here and there that we thought needed to be tweaked and 
we went in the studio and we did it. And I really like that song now. Um, and I think like the response that we got afterward, I can say is like, you know, the the total opposite of what we were getting for. People were like, this speaks to me. And like, you know, it gives me such a like good feeling. And, you know, I, there's certain parts of it that really stick out to me and like really hit home with me. And it just, it made me feel a lot better because going up to that release and everything, oh my gosh, I was, I was like, we can't do this, you guys. We have to somehow pull out of this. They're like, it's on a record, Tara. It's like a physical medium. Like there's no way it could be taken back. So yeah, um, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, the the interesting thing to me is you, you know, you're concerned about it being a you know, a, a sad song or a bummer. And, and that was never my, my takeaway from it. Even in the acoustic version, it was, it was about, to me, it came across as the, this, the strength you have to find as a parent. And, and then, and then in the end, seeing the strength of your, of your child dealing with their own, their own thing. Yeah. And that was my takeaway from it. And, and then hearing it again in, in the, in the full band version I mean, it felt like, and this might sound corny, but the the first song off of the My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade, where that song's like a father or a son talking about his father. And this is now like a parent talking about their child. But, and from like a very similar perspective of like, you know, carry on that whole message. Um, Heather, have you heard this song? Yes, I have, of course. And then how, how did it make you feel hearing it? I saw the video. Mm-hmm. I heard it when I saw the video for it. And to me, it's just, it's more not sad and not even, I don't want to say inspirational, but it's more of like, come on, like, let's be a badass. Like, let's do this. Like, I have your back, you know, no matter what type of thing. Does that make sense? Thanks. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you have any songs like that, Adam, where uh, I just get like a knot in my stomach, even talking about Shine, just because like it was so personal. I was so weird to um, release something so personal and have people talk to you about it. You know, Um, I love hearing other people's stories, but it's like, it's so it can be so much like I don't know but I'm glad that like I said I'm glad you brought it up and thank you guys I'm glad you you went through with it and that you put it out and that you pushed through the anxiety about putting it thank out. you thanks because I think it's a really good song and it is I love in the video the outfit you're wearing <laughs> as you're skipping down the street singing I really want to make an Omnigon video where I'm wearing the exact same outfit doing the exact same thing <laughs> That would be so amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, because one of the one of the funniest things in the last year to me is what good friends we I become. know. Yes. Because we're we're the most unlikely friends. <laughs> I don't even know like how it happened. Like, it was so organic, I guess, or like online organic, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, we're just polar opposites, but we're also both parents who are fronting ska punk bands. Yeah. <laughs> and and so constantly, like the both of us are like hitting each other up, like either commiserating about being tired <laughs> because yeah. parenting is tiring or 
just looking at the at the things that our kids do and and comparing them to each other. You've given me some really good potty training advice, actually. So yeah, <laughs> he has. That stuff's important. It is. It's good to know that there's somebody else like in our scene too that's like there. That's like yeah, you know, because I hate to say it, but like I I'm feeling like older than a lot of the people playing music right now and of course that was bound to happen but like I said like I was really focused on our little area our little scene and then like when the when everyone started you know showing up for each other and like being this big happy like scene all across like the world in this last year it feels like um I was just like wait a minute what like even in my band my bandmates were like boober like I I hate that (laughs) I hate that because like Jack our trombone player he turned 21 last year like in 2020 he turned 21 I was like 21 (laughs) like yeah wow holy cow Jack's 21 yeah Jack's 21 he just turned 21 yeah 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 I know he's a baby like his whole life is ahead of him you guys his whole musical I just can't I don't know a very a very talented baby I should say yes he's a very talented like (laughs) don't yes he's super talented he's got he's going places but as I'm saying like even our horn players are like 23 24 you know like I'm almost like one of the oldest people in my band so like I said it's just like it's just nice to know there are other people that are like that have kids period and are like playing fronting a band too you know like I know there are other people in my band that have kids but it's just different it was so cool to like meet you yeah it's a different thing when you're when you're the face when you're the face of the band and yeah. and you you are kind of the front facing end of it I mean because Barry's had Barry's had kids way longer than I have like Barry hasn't has a you know, adult child at this point. And, <laughs> and Joe, Joey has, uh, you know, kids. Um, but I'm, you know, I think our, since our kids are like very close in age, we put our kids on, on Instagram live together and let them talk to each other like during an Instagram live. And it was like, I'd been wanting to do that for forever. Cause I just think how funny is it to be a, just a person looking at your phone and you're like, oh, these people are going live. Okay. And then you click it and it's their kids just talking to each other about whatever kids. They talk were about. talking about like wounds too. Like that. Oh yeah. They were showing, they were showing their boo-boos to each other. Yeah. He was like, I remember your son was like, and then it had pus. And then, you know, yeah. and my daughter was just like, oh man, look at my fingers. <laughs> you know, I got this blood blister. I was like, what? What are you guys talking about right now? Yeah, no, that was awesome. No, I just think yeah. it's funny because you're right. Like, Adam, when we meet in real life, you're going to see just how much more opposite we actually are. I'm like yeah. the tiniest person on like the planet. And yeah, I know you're and like, I'm like, I'm like the most giant person towering. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I, we've said this before. It's just, we have, the, we play different kinds of music, but yeah, there are lots of things in common and it's, it's funny and it's fun. <laughs> but, it, but, and, but it does get, and it gets and it gets tied together under the banner of ska, even though we're like at the polar opposites of it. But then when you really think about it, like your band and you and your like nice outfit are still playing the same gross punk clubs that my band plays. Yeah. So it's almost more punk for your band to be 
doing these sort of things, like presenting the way that you do with like a cute outfit than it is for me in like my all black outfit. That's let, let's be honest. I'd wear all black because if it gets dirty, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I guess I see your, well, you also have like a, your signature look, like no, no sleeves and all that stuff too. Yeah. I mean, you're not just like showing up and have nothing going on. Come on. But um, no, I, I just appreciate, like, I feel like it, that us talking and knowing each other this way is just a reflection of like how things are going in ska music right now. Like yeah. everybody is sort of like, there are so many people that I have never met now that I've worked on projects with like music projects, just talked about issues, you know, about not even just ska music, just anything. I'm like, these, these people are my people, but I've just never met them. You know, it's, it's been really incredible in the last year to see everyone kind of be radicalized and like really walking the walk as far as, as far as like raising money for causes and, um, amplifying other people's voices like because I feel like that was part of the ska scene in the 90s but it was it was and maybe it was just because we didn't have social media and we didn't have this connection but it felt like it was it was like there it, like there wasn't such a united front as far as like people like sharing progressive views and and caring about important issues do you know what I mean I definitely did not remember that when I was like growing up you know like seeing that as much I mean like of course like I was younger so um unless that was like explicitly like said I probably wouldn't be noticing you know but yeah I know these days like especially right now you know, nobody's shy to say how their, what, like, their views are and how they're feeling, and it's easy to, like, like I said, like, find your, find your tribe, like, find your friends who you sort of, like, identify with, and you're like, yeah, I totally am on board with, like, what you're saying, and, like, and you also like ska music, so bonus. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you haven't already, subscribe to my newsletter at aaroncarns.substack.com. You will get episodes of the In Defense of Ska podcast and other content sent directly to your inbox. If you would like to order my book, In Defense of Ska, you can go to Amazon, request it at your favorite indie bookstore or library, or go to clashbooks.com. And on that note, we leave you by saying... Ska now more than ever. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.